Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think back to last Sunday and what was, uh, we were sitting in, in the chairs here. We had a, an evangelist, two pastors. To uh, a, uh, two elders and a head of our ushers sitting here in front of us. That was a beautiful sight. It really was. But uh, what I what I'd like to to say is, about a month ago, Pastor Robert had a word about. <laughs> respect and it was respecting of God's house <clears throat> well that uh, that got in me uh, respect is something that uh, I was I, I'll come I was brought up with and and it breaks my heart now in this day and time to see such disrespect because you know respect <clears throat> excuse me respect was broke at the very beginning and it was broke from getting a fruit off of a tree that God told them to leave alone and do not touch now I know it was a sin but I Respect is a sin. You disrespect. I mean, not respect is not disrespect. And that's what happened. They disrespected God's word. And what did it start? <clears throat> disrespect throughout. Through all over. But all of our, uh, all of um, Moses and all of our, the leaders that was there coming up, all of them got disrespected, but they all, most of them stayed pretty strong. They stayed strong in God. Some of them broke. Some of them come back. Uh, and Lord God, our Jesus, he got, uh, he got disrespected everywhere he went <laughs> and, and never said a harsh word, just loved him, prayed for him, healed him. Made them strong, yeah. And uh, I don't. Uh, I had I had some things that I was going to say, but uh, I don't. I don't know that I'm going to be able to now. <laughs> I don't know that I'll be able to say them. But uh, apostle, if I get to where. I shouldn't be, if you will stop me. Uh, this, 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 this house of God right here, this is God's house. When we come into this house, we need to be respectful, period. <clears throat> and I told another this morning, as a matter of fact, when we leave our house, our homes, to come to this place, we need to be respectful then. When we pull in this parking lot out here, we need to be respectful. When we park, we need to be respectful. And I'm saying respectful of other people. Self, self gets in the way of a lot of it. And I'm not saying I'm perfect because I, uh, I don't even want to talk about it, baby. <laughs> because, uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't disrespect my wife, 
But uh, sometimes we'll just leave it there. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and don't, what, what I'm going to say now, and, and please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not here to make anybody mad. I'm not here to low rate anybody. I'm just saying what God has given me. And if he didn't give this to me, he wouldn't let me say it. But when you come to the house of God, you need to come with your best. And I'm not talking just about, <clears throat> I'm not talking about what you wear. I'm talking about you need to come in the house of God with your best. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to have that, you need to come in here holy. You need to come in prayed up. You need to come in with a cork off. You need to come in ready to praise your Lord and your Savior. Because when you do, when you come in here and you're not, you're disrespecting God's house and God. Now that's my that's me. I, I mean, if you're not if you're not sold out, uh, you need to think about it. You need to get on your knees or on your face and pray about it and get sold out. It's just like Elder Paul was saying this morning or just now. I mean, you need to be sold out to God because halfway of it is not going to get you anywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, uh, my brother. My brother, <laughs> I, I said something to him this morning about. I hope I didn't make anybody mad. He said, "Well, if you do," he said, <clears throat> "It'd be a matter of going to hell one or hell two if they don't want to listen to you." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know. But uh, that, that's been that's been real heavy on my heart about respect. Uh, our apostle deserve all the respect. Our pastors deserve all the respect. Our prayer team and this pastor back here, but they, but everybody in here, all of our family deserve everyone's respect, and that's just the way it is. And all I'll say now is just, when you come, come respectful. And come seeking God and the Word. And you'll find it here. Because this place is, this place is full of love. This, 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 I'm going to call this a temple. This temple was founded on love. That's the way it started out. When Pastor Eileen Pinson came here for it, to it, with it, she brought love in here, and it hadn't quit. And it's not going to quit. It'll be carried on. There's too many strong people in here. I mean, I love every one of you. Brother Ernie, talking about respect, it's disrespect for God when we think we know what to do in a situation. That's disrespect. God is bigger than we think. I'm not talking about in the realm of we know that he created everything. He is bigger than we think. When we think, when something arises and we think we know how to handle it, God is bigger than that. That's what I'm talking about. He is bigger than that.
Brother Ernie touched a sore spot in me for the house of God. I've had it for, I've had it for years. I got it from another church that I used to go to. You'd go into the hallway, walk down the hallways, or you'd walk into Sunday school classes. There would be tables that somebody built out of two-by-fours in the house of God. And the same type stuff, stuff they got rid of at home that wasn't fit to go in their house was moved into the house of God. I didn't even want him. And even my word. So when he got started talking about disrespect for the house of God, that's that's a sore spot for me. Because of this, like he said, this was built for the sole purpose. To have an encounter with God. That's, that's what this piece of property is built for. To have an encounter with Jehovah God Almighty. And it is disrespectful when we come in here. And I think a part of it is because we really don't know who we're coming to see. We really don't know who we're coming to have an encounter with. I don't really know who we're coming to have an encounter with. So it's like, like Brother Ernie, Ernie said... When we realize that this, that we are actually coming to church, we're coming to this house to meet with the creator of all things, the creator of all things, the one that spoke and the stars were in the sky. The one that said, let there be light, and there was light, and there were no stars in the sky at that time. Read it in Genesis. That is who we come to have an encounter with. There is no problem that we have too big. If we think our problems are too big for God, that is disrespect. We don't know God. We don't know Him. I'm going to expose a way of thinking. I was reading in a, in a book, and this began to be exposed. So I'm going to expose it. The way that we think sometimes. And before you say, this is not me, I want you to really let God reveal to you in your innermost being. Because sometimes these things are hid down in here. And we don't, we, we don't think that we think this way. But Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I was reading in Dr. John Evanzini's book, one of them. And he posed a question. Do we serve Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, or do we serve Jehovah Needy? <clears throat> we say we've served Jehovah Jireh, but do we act like we serve Jehovah Needy? Jehovah Needy is the God whose children provide for him. 
So he said that we will have the God that we perceive. I'm going to expose, this is how wrong thinking it is. And this, this sounds pretty good, but it's not right. We give to provide for God to advance for his kingdom. That sounds pretty, that sounds pretty legitimate. That sounds good. We give for God to advance his kingdom. It's not right. We're providing for God at that point. <laughs> We're providing for him. We're his source. Hmm. Philippians 4.19 says I shall supply all of my all of God's needs according to my riches and glory is that in y'all's Bible does it read that way what it actually says is my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. I don't supply his. As a matter of fact, God doesn't have any need. I've heard it said before, people say that God created us because he needed someone to love. I'm sorry. He didn't create you because he needed someone to love. He's existed from forever. And he was doing just fine before we were ever came on the scene. Okay. So all these years that he was without us, he was doing okay. He is God. All by himself. Amen. He doesn't even need us to have faith. It doesn't keep him from being God. If nobody believes that he is God, he is still God. He is still God. <laughs> One of his names is Elohim, which is everlasting God. Self-existent. Let that sink in. We think God needs us. We th sometimes we get to the place we think God needs us. He uses us when we let him. But he is self-existent. He is self-existent. See, God doesn't expect his children to provide for him. I'll just I'll just expose something here. Years ago, we were we were struggling pretty much financially. I actually borrowed some money from my son and years ago you know that hurt why did it hurt because it was out of order it was out of order we don't provide for God that's out of order he provides for us 
I'll tell you what he expects. He expects us to sow seeds. That's what he expects. Everything we do is a seed. Giving is a seed. So why does he expect us to sow a seed? So he can provide a harvest. So that he can provide a harvest. So I'm asking questions and answering them for you. (laughs) So this is the way I think anyway. So I just, I ask the questions and God answers. So why does he want to provide a harvest for us? What's the purpose? The purpose of a a seed's purpose is so God can show himself strong and show his love to us and to the world. That's That's the purpose of a seed. See, we sow a seed... Who wants to serve a God that does not provide for his children? I mean, I don't understand some of these places, these people in other countries that serve a God that wants them to sacrifice their kids, literally. I'm like, I'm fixing to find me another one. I don't like this one. See, My God is not that way. My God says, you sow a seed, and I'm going to provide for you. But not only that, it tells us, well, in Romans 2, 4, it says the goodness, which is the way God treats his children, the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. The goodness of God is what draws people. I know we may need to hear some people's hellfire and brimstone sometimes. But the word says the goodness of God. The goodness of God draws people. When people see, that's why the enemy fights the blessings of God so much on his people. It's because when the people when people see when they see see God bless you, they're gonna to want to know where do you go to church? They're gonna know what God do you serve? How is that happening for you? That's what they want. They're going to say, I, I want that. I want that. You see, when we sow a seed, I'll tell you about a seed. Everything that goes in here is a seed. It is not your harvest. It came from your harvest. It's a portion of your harvest. But once it goes in here, it becomes a seed. But until it goes in there, it's your harvest. Think about that for a minute. You know the story of Elijah and the widow woman. He asked her what she had. She had enough to feed her and her son one last time. That was her harvest. Until she turned it loose. When she turned it loose, it changed from a harvest to a seed. And when it became a seed, see, the thing about a seed is 
they always produce more. They always produce more. God spoke it into them in the beginning. You can read it in Genesis. He told them, multiply. So a seed always produces more. So if we still got it in our hand, it's a harvest. That's it. It's never getting any bigger than that. More than likely, well, no more than likely, it is going to get smaller than that. Because a harvest is what we consume. A harvest is what we consume. But a seed always grows. A seed always produces more than... <laughs> A seed always produces more than it is. But the thing about God, he is so good that if you read in Philippians, no, it's not, it's in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, starting verse 10. It basically tells us in this scripture that God gives us abundant seed to sow. Then he multiplies, multiplies it so we have abundant provision and more seed to sow. Now, that's the kind of God that I want. I don't even have to provide my own seed. He said he gives us seed. And if you have a question, well, when has he given me seed? Because I know somebody's going to say that. Somebody somewhere is thinking that. When is he going to give me seed? James chapter 1, verse 17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. If you have a penny to your name, it came from God. Period. Whether you found it on the ground or somebody gave it to you, it came from God. See, when you read those scriptures in 2 Corinthians, what actually took place there when he, he gives us a seed, we sow the seed, he multiplies the seed, produces a harvest, and more seed to sow. He just created a supernatural provision cycle. The power to get wealth. We always want the power to get wealth. You know where that is? It's right there. It's right there. The power, the power to get wealth is right there. Because he says that he multiplies our seed sown. It's a key word. It's sown. He multiplies that. I was listening. I can't remember the man's name. Listening to him speak, and he's talking about going to another level in in God because he knows who God is. And he said that God has enough to meet our needs and have seeds to sow. He has enough. He has enough for both. He has enough for anything he has called us to do. 
has enough. I thought, I've always thought it was interesting. In Genesis, God created man, put him in the garden. He walked with him. He had no need of anything. But yet God said, the gold is here. Hmm. Yes, he did. Why would he tell them where the gold is? When they had no need of nothing. Because it's his and he knows where it is. Maybe he wanted Adam to make his wife some jewelry or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like when you have no... See, when we get to the place to where God is not Jehovah needy, and let's... let's Am I the only one that has ever kind of thought that way? That God needs my money. He needs my money to finance this. He needs my money to... That's Jehovah. That we see in him as Jehovah needy. But when we get the revelation that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is my provider. That's what creates a cheerful giver. That's what creates a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver, an excited giver. You see, when you begin to get a revelation that, that God is your provider, you're excited to give. You get up out of your seat and come give. Nobody has to say, come give. You don't have to be pulled on to come give. It's because, uh-oh, this is a seed, and it's going to make more. See, now when we get that, when that really takes root, we can say we believe that, but when it really takes root, you will be excited to sow a seed. Do you know people can become comfortable in just just enough? You can become comfortable in that level. You can become comfortable in the level to where you've got to shift your bills around. Anybody ever done that? Shift your bills around to get them paid. You can become comfortable doing that. I mean, you can get to the place to where that is your life. But God is bigger than that. God is bigger than that. Just think a minute. How would you react? How would, what would you do different? If you had a never-ending supply, that's a that's a that's a level I I have to say I haven't quite reached yet to that. What would I do different? <laughs> Amen. So more. If I never, if I knew that my checkbook would never 
be empty? What would I do different? That's a whole other realm of thinking. In Daniel eleven thirty two, last part of that scripture says, The people that know their God shall be strong, shall be courageous, and do exploits. The people that know their God shall be courageous and do bold and daring feats. There's keys right here. The people that know their God. Know their God. We all serve the same God. But we've got to know that God personally. I can't advance on apostles knowing God. I can to a point when she prophesies to me, but still I have to believe that God spoke through her. But I really have to know God for myself. To advance, we've got to know God ourselves. It says it right there the people that know their God. So when we're operating on this financial level down here, this can apply to the finances or any anything in God. But we're talking about finances mostly. The mindset that we have down here will not operate up here. It will not get you to this level. It will not get you above where you are. See, the Bible tells us that we have to renew our mind. So I'm thinking about that and asking what actually does it mean to renew our mind? I'll give you a real simple definition of renewing your mind. It is to realize that my thoughts are not God's. That's the first step in, re in renewing your mind is to realize that my thoughts are not God's thoughts. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and I have to be led by the Holy Spirit. That is the only way to operate in God's thoughts is to be led by the Holy Spirit. So to rise from the level of just enough or just getting by requires our minds to be renewed. Sometimes that requires some deliverance. Some things that have happened in the past that's made you think, or even when you were a kid, that God wasn't your provider. That happened. I had to get some deliverance to realize that, that God was Jehovah Jireh. I knew he had everything, but he wasn't willing to share it. Hmm. I had to get some deliverance from because of things in the past. It's the way I saw things. Sometimes it gets, we have to get some deliverance. Sometimes, you know, when you get deliverance, you're actually, you're laying a, you're cutting a root. It's a stronghold. We have to have the old way of doing things pruned. And sometimes it's, it's really simple to start 
began to rise to another level. You can do it in simple things, but you just listen to the Holy Spirit. There was a time when Dan and I were married, hadn't been married too many years. If we went to the grocery store, if I liked barbecue chips and she liked plain potato chips, one week we would buy the barbecue. The next week it would be her turn. Well, she, she, I would let her go first. She would get the plane first. Then the second week, we'd buy the barbecue. Anybody ever been there? Didn't have enough, couldn't see that I had enough that I could have barbecue and she could have plane all at the same time. I mean, that's a simple thing. But it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger onto another level. That's where you start to come up out of it. Or maybe it's where you go shopping at. There's nothing wrong with going shopping at Walmart. But if that is the only store that you can go buy clothes at, You don't run you you don't know Jehovah Jireh. If he tells you to go into a store and buy something, I heard one man say that he was well, I, I read it. He was talking with some with a pastor friend and his wife. He and his wife were and they were in a mall shopping, and the lady, the pastor's wife, told him, says, nobody can shop in that store. No Christian. That's what he said. She told, said, no Christian can shop in that store. And he said something rose up in him. He says, I'm fixing in himself. He says, I'm fixing to go in there and buy something. I don't care if it's nothing but a pen. He's fighting that thing. And he and his wife went in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He and his wife went in there. And he told his wife, say, look for you a pair of boots. They had a pair of boots in there for $1,200. That tells you the store, kind of store it was. He didn't name the store. He didn't have $1,200. But he asked his wife, do you want them? <laughs> yes, she did. They got them. Went to the checkout. They were on sale. They didn't, they didn't know they were on sale. God knew they were on sale. $250 later, she walked out with a pair of $1,200 boots. See, he just broke that thing. He broke that thing that I can't go in there because it's too expensive. I can't eat there because it costs too much. See, my God can supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. According to his riches. When I was preparing this, what I heard God say is it's pruning time. Pruning is a good thing. With, sometimes when we read the word pruning, in the Bible, it scares us. But in reality, it is a good thing. Because what do you prune from a plant? Stuff that sucks the life out of it. Dead stuff. 
just because it's spray painted green doesn't make it alive. It's still dead. AstroTurf is dead. Y'all know y'all have seen people stick artificial flowers in their flower beds. And nowadays, some of them look pretty real. They can fool you until you get close enough. But they're still dead. So where does the pruning take place? Right here. So I want to invite you to come and just ask God, is there anything that makes me view him as Jehovah Needy instead of Jehovah Jireh? What blocks me from seeing him as Jehovah Jireh? It can be just a simple revelation. It could be a judgment. And there is a group of people that I've, some people that I don't know who you are, but if you fall into this category, I want to pray for you specifically. And the reason is, is because. What I saw is there's a group of people that there's a stigma on. It's a mark, basically, so to speak. And they're artists. They're artists. They're musicians. They are creators, creative people. They're people that like to decorate. They're people that like to write. They're poets. If you fall into that category, and the reason I say there's a stigma is because you've heard it and I've heard it said about artists. Starving artists, exactly. Starving musicians. It's like they can't never... What God has put in them, he is not able to provide for them through that. That's a, that's, a, that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. I invite you to come. And if, you're, if you fall into one of those categories that I mentioned, I would like for you to come right here in the middle. And I know you're one. (laughs) And you don't know it, but you're one too. Anybody ever write poetry? Anybody ever want to draw? You fall into any of these categories. See, the devil put a stigma on those people because they're they're outside of the box kind of people. My wife is one of those. She's a creator. She's a decorator. She can paint. She can play. She can... And... One of the characteristics of these kind of people, it's not always true, but mostly it is true. They like stuff. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm a, I have a tendency to fall into that because I like stuff, stuff that people th- would throw away. People, stuff that you would set on the curb. Oh, I got a plan for that. 
I'll give you an example. I can give you several examples. I've got all kinds of pieces of furniture sitting under our carport because I want to, I got plans for them. But you know where they come from? I picked them up for somebody, set them on the curb. Because I like to do, I like it. I've got a couple of concrete blocks I made and I put a stencil on top of them to kind of decorate it. You know where the stencil come from? When you come, when, when you, when you come into my house, you walk on it. It's a mat there that you wipe your feet on. I saw it one day. I could put that on top of a concrete block and have all that swirl in there. I have burl knots. For what y'all know what they are? Fell out of a tree. Most people would have put them on the curb. I put them under the shed. Mm-hmm. Working on them. <laughs> but the devil will tell you that, that creativity is a gift from God. And the devil will tell you that you can't make anything. You can't make any money. You can't sell that. You can't, that's not good enough. That song is not good enough for you to put out there for people to hear. That, po- that poetry is not good enough for somebody else to read. He will tell you all those kind of things. That is a stigma that he has put on those kind of people. I'm just going to release that God is more than enough. Hi, we hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. Now, for more information and to stay connected with us, tune in on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.